Hello and welcome to the Idaho Reports podcast for October 19th, 2022. I'm Melissa Davlin. Top of the ticket races get the most coverage in any given election cycle, but those selected in down ticket legislative and local races also make critical decisions that affect the everyday lives of Idahoans. Dr. Jacqueline Kettler of Boise State University School of Public Service joins me this week to discuss some of this year's hot legislative face-offs. Dr. Kettler, thanks so much for joining us. Happy to join you. So I want to preface this conversation by saying this doesn't mean that we don't think a given party doesn't have a shot in one district or another, but it's no secret that Republicans do very well in most of the state and Democrats do very well in Boise and a handful of other places. Right. What we end up seeing, at least in the legislative at the legislative level, is there's some really safe Republican districts, a few safe Democratic districts, and maybe a handful of competitive elections, you know, competitive races every every election cycle. Before we get into those competitive races, let's set the stage for why this general election is a little bit different than in 2020. We just went through redistricting, meaning the legislative boundaries have changed after the release of the the latest census data. And while some legislative districts stayed pretty much the same, some went through massive changes. Right. Some districts look very different. That'll be key for voters to pay attention to where their voting precincts might be to make sure they know know where they're going. But we also saw some shuffling among legislators and we saw quite a few retirements and actually more open seats going into this election cycle than usual, which is common after redistricting. But it is setting up between a lot more open seats than usual and events in the primary election, a lot more turnover in the legislature than what we usually see. I know it also prompted some retirements, too, for people who didn't necessarily want to run against their incumbent friends, although we did see a lot of incumbent face-offs in that primary, which, again, resulted in more open seat or uh, more uh, turnover than we would normally see. Exactly. We had, you know, a handful of those incumbent versus incumbent races, and then quite a few incumbents losing in the primary election as well. And so take it all together between redistricting, retirements, more incumbents losing than usual. We really, I mean, it really will look pretty different um, and for the next elect, uh, legislative session. Yeah, let's start up north in Legislative District 6, which includes Latah County, uh, home of Moscow and University of Idaho, of course, Lewis County, and part of Nez Perce County. For the last decade, Latah County was paired with the much more conservative Benoit County up north. This is a very different uh, setup for them. Right. And I mean, you've got some of Lewiston in there, right, which has seen a little bit more Democratic voting at times. And so I think it will be really interesting to see what the you know, what happens in this district? What does it look like? Do we see how does the partisan leanings of this district compare to what what we saw in that area in previous elections? Right. Until recently, Lewiston had purple representation. It was home to uh, former minority leader, uh, House Minority Leader um, John Rushi. It had two Democratic members of uh, the House in the last 10 years. That, of course, has shifted since then. But that dynamic could change now that they're paired with Moscow. And I'm really looking at this dynamic playing out in that Senate race with former Republican Senator Dan Foreman with incumbent 
Democratic Senator David Nelson. Right. I think this will be a fascinating race. Foreman, of course, a fairly controversial figure due to kind of conflicts that came up previously when he was in the legislature. Um, and, and so the kind of come bring coming back to went to run again and against an incumbent who, you know, being an incumbent and brings some resources. He's he's you know been successful at f- some fundraising. I think he has almost over forty six thousand dollars in fundraising. Nelson does so. There you know you've got active campaigns there. You've got two figures that are fairly well known, but a new district, a slightly different district, and so it will be really interesting to see how that plays out. The the house races are going to be interesting too. Incumbent Representative Lori McCann you know, from the Lewiston area. Um, with Trish Carter Goodhart. She's a member of the Nez Perce tribe. And this new district does include a lot of the Nez Perce reservation. Right, which is something that will also be interesting to see how that it help you know how that influences some of the the turnout the partisan leanings but also kind of just the political nature of that district now that it it does include part of the tribe and trying to take into account the tribe's kind of interest in addition to the rest of the district in the other house race of course uh incumbent Brandon Mitchell with democratic attorney Tim Grisback uh will be keeping an eye on that as well as we go south, there aren't a lot of Democrats running until we hit the Treasure Valley. That's one thing that I think is, I mean, it's often the case, but really this election cycle, I was counting at least on the House side, there's about 43% of races that have both a Democratic and Republican candidate running. On the Senate side, about 37% are contested with the both part major parties. Republicans have candidates in every single legislative race. Democrats seem to really be focusing on a smaller portion of races where there are quite a few uncontested races when you look at across the state. One of those races that I know Democrats are really focusing on is in District 15, which is West Boise, kind of getting close, but not quite to Meridian, uh, where Cody Galloway, who beat Fred Martin in in, in outgoing senator, incumbent senator Fred Martin uh, in the primary She is facing Rick Just, who has come very close to beating Fred Martin in that same race in the past. Now Fred Martin's endorsing Rick Just over Cody Galloway. This has been a fascinating race to watch. I think I'm sure for Rick Just and the Democrats, they were gearing up to run against Martin and running against an incumbent. Definitely different. Right. And now having Martin's endorsement of Rick Just, it just it really the dynamics have been fascinating to watch here as Galloway's run into some questions about fundraisers and different things like that along the way. Rick Just has been successful in fundraising, almost $40,000 raised for the general election, has some momentum. And as you noted, this is a district that we've seen is pretty tight. It's very competitive. And so that will be a really key race to watch. And even though Cody Galloway be the incumbent for this particular seat. She's not new to this district. This district didn't change much in redistricting. And she has served in the House. She's not a new name. So she has that advantage. And, and she's not unpopular with the Republican voting block in this district. Yeah, that's 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 right. I think the key thing here will be, I mean, as time has, has changed, 
seeing what the partisan makeup of that district might be. And maybe Martin was able to pick up some Democratic or unaffiliated voters. And it'll be interesting to see who they will, you know, will they be more, much more supportive of just this time around. Anything else you're watching in District 15? Steve Birch is a regular campaigner. He's pretty active. He seems like he'll be pretty safe. So I think, you know, it, it is a, a, a district where we see competitive races, but this time around, it really seems like that Senate race is the key one to watch. As we head to the Magic Valley, we're starting to see, once again, some big shifts in how those districts are made up. Um, and nowhere is that going to be more apparent than the new District 26, which is now Jerome and Blaine County. It's a big shift for both of those areas. And this was one of the really major questions during the redistricting cycle was how to handle this area, right? And so in kind of a key holdup and debate, and and it is it looks substantially different. As a result, we saw some key retirements, some key changes in that district. And I think it's going to be really fascinating to see what this district looks like moving forward. The only solution is to bring back Alturas County. Uh, that might be the nerdiest joke that I make on Idaho Reports all year. Uh, Obviously, one of the biggest races this cycle is going to be that Senate race in 26, where you have Republican Lori Likely and Democrat Ron Taylor. Uh, this So Blaine County, whether it's been paired with Camas or Shoshone County or wherever, they haven't been represented by a Republican in the Senate for decades. They, they had first Clint Stennett for a very, very long time, and then after he sadly passed away. His wife, Michelle Stennett, took over um, and then took over that Senate minority leader role. This might be, if if likely is successful in her campaign for re-election, the first time that that Wood River Valley area is represented by a Republican. But the Democrat, Ron Taylor, is running pretty hard, too. Yeah, he's been having success at fundraising, been very active. I think this is where... <laughs> That, that the changing nature of that district may really come into play, right? And he may be struggling a little bit for as much name recognition compared to likely, um, just given that she has served in the legislature. Um, and so that's going to be kind of key to watch there. But we just don't know yet really exactly what that the partisan leanings of that district will be. We can guess, but it will be really fascinating to see in this election what it looks like and what the turnout looks like, all those types of questions. The two Republican candidates for those House seats are also seem to be kind of cut from the same cloth as Lori Likely. And so when I think, you know, a, a typical Magic Valley Republican, they're very focused on things like ag and water issues and you know, fiscal responsibility. Uh, but they, they seem to be right on the same page with Likely. But then you have uh, Democrat incumbent Ned Burns, who is running, who seemingly pretty popular in the area. Um, and then for that other seat, you have Karma Fitzgerald from a uh, big dairy family. Uh, that could shade, that could play into the dynamic as well. For sure. And Ned Burns is one of like the, the most successful fundraisers, I think, for legislative candidates in this general election. Um, and so like he's 
he's, he seems popular. He's an active campaigner. He has a lot of resources. And so, I mean, that's one district where we might see some splitting, where we might see some Republicans win and, de- and Democrat or to win. So I think that'll, it's just, it's such a fascinating district since it is so substantially different than what, what it was there before to see what happens in that district. Even in the last decade, Blaine County had Republican House members represent them off and on, uh, you know, notably Steve Miller, uh, who is now in a different district uh, and will be coming back in an unchallenged race uh, representing District 24. So uh, but again, not a lot of other Democrats running in the Magic Valley. It really is centered in that District 26 area. Yeah, we tend to see Democrats like really in some of these districts that either include or or are in cities, right? Some of those urban areas where their Democrats do have more support. We do see, I mean, that those are a lot of the races where we see Democrats running. We have one more traditionally purple area left. District 29, another district that didn't change too much during this redistricting round. What are you watching in 29? Oh, man, that's another Senate race, right? I mean, and I think one thing we're really highlighting a lot of these Senate races, because the Senate is going to substantially change next session. And so the outcome of some of these Senate races will really matter for some of the leadership and some of those elements. And so the Senate race in 29 is another really key one that we'll be watching. And that's that Pocatello area. I should have made that clear earlier. Uh, And we have... Again, uh, an open seat for the Senate. Um, we we had Mark Nye, who had planned to retire and then passed away, unfortunately, this past summer. Uh, House member James Ruckty is trying to move up into the Senate, into that new seat. Um, for the House, though, again, we had split representation, one of the few places where you had both Republicans and Democrats. Dustin Manwaring trying to come back, facing attorney Mary Shea. And then you have Nate Roberts and Jake Stevens going for that other seat. Right. So, I mean, some really what what may be very competitive races in that district for the Senate race. Uh, the Republican candidate is David Worley, who ran for Pocatello mayor. And so definitely someone who's had some campaign experience, um, has probably some name recognition. And so while he may be running against, you know, Rukti, who was a House incumbent now trying to move up, has, you know, like they may be a little bit more on similar page compared to that traditional incumbent challenger uh, situation. So we went over the hot districts that have been traditionally purple, we know are going to be competitive. Are there any grab bag races or grab bag candidates that you're keeping an eye on in other parts of the state? Well, I think in the broader kind of Treasure Valley area, there's a couple races where at least Democratic candidates have been very active campaigners or Republican candidates have been active campaigners in races where you usually don't see them. They're they're not usually competitive, but say like Natalie McLaughlin in 22A, 
some of the Republicans running in District 19 have been quite active and having campaign ads, really getting campaign mailers. And so it's been interesting here in the broader Treasure Valley to see some really active campaigns, even in usually less competitive areas, and whether that will translate and whether we'll see some of these races be a little closer than what we usually see. All right. Well, we will have a lot to look at the morning after on November 9th. Dr. Jacqueline Cutler, thank you so much for joining us today. Always happy to join you. And thank you for listening. Idaho Reports will continue coverage in the lead up to the November 8th election with interviews with candidates who were denied debates because their opponents declined to participate. And make sure you watch this week's Idaho Reports for an in-depth look at SJR 102, the constitutional change on the ballot. Presentation of Idaho Reports on Idaho Public Television is made possible through the generous support of the Laura Moore Cunningham Foundation, committed to fulfilling the Moore and Bettis family legacy of building the great state of Idaho. By the Friends of Idaho Public Television and by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Hi, I'm Marcia Franklin, the producer and host of Dialogue. For more than 25 years, we've been bringing you conversations that matter. More than 150 of those conversations are with writers, and now you can take them with you wherever you go, while you're walking, around the house, or in the car. Just search for Dialogue with Marsha Franklin on Apple Podcasts and other podcast platforms, and remember to subscribe so that new shows download automatically. Enjoy.